Hello and welcome to The Cost of Health, brought to you by the North Carolina Coalition for Fiscal Health. I'm your host and executive director of the coalition, Michael Kraskin. Today, you'll hear part two of our two-part series talking to some of the leadership of North Carolina's largest insurer, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. Last week, I spoke with Dr. Rahul Rajkumar, the company's chief medical officer. It was a great interview, and if you haven't heard it, make sure you go back and listen. This week, you'll hear my interview with Dr. Patrick Conway, CEO and president of Blue Cross NC. In this interview, Dr. Conway shines some light on the root causes of rising healthcare costs and discusses some of the initiatives he's spearheading to try and lower his members' premiums. One note about this episode, Dr. Conway refers to a forthcoming announcement about premiums. This is because we recorded this episode before Blue Cross had announced their rates for the individual marketplace for 2019. Those rates have since been announced. I'm Patrick Conway. I'm the president and CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. I grew up in Texas. I'm a practicing physician. Uh, take care of kids who get hospitalized, usually with multiple chronic conditions, uh, often on Medicaid, but from all types of insurance at UNC Children's Hospital. And I came here from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. I was chief medical officer there, the longest serving chief medical officer in Medicare Medicaid history. I don't know what that says about me or the job. Um, <laughs> uh, ran a CMS Innovation Center that was new payment and service delivery models, paying for care differently and paying for value in Medicare and Medicaid, and then was principal deputy administrator and then ran the whole agency as acting administrator. Since you've moved your family down to North Carolina, yeah. what's been the what's been the most fun and or surprising discovery about the state? We've loved North Carolina. Uh, we have four kids and they're settled in and, and, and loving school and the state. Uh, and my wife uh, as well uh, loves North Carolina. You know, I think the biggest thing that we've noticed is the friendliness. I remember it from growing up in Texas. My wife's from Boston. Um, we were in DC for a long time. Just the friendly nature of the people and like the welcoming attitude has just been really impressive. I asked you to talk today because I wanted to talk about healthcare costs, which are rising quite a bit in North Carolina and have been for some time. Uh, from your perspective, coming into this job, what do you see as the primary drivers of costs going up? Yeah, so the primary drivers of costs going up are prices. There's actually evidence around this. So prices in the U.S. and in the North Carolina market have gone up significantly faster than inflation for things like hospital care, pharmaceuticals, other areas of care. Utilization, so the use of health care has actually been stable or decreasing, but the prices have gone so much up so much that the costs have gone up. If you think about Blue Cross insurance, 85% of our costs are medical costs. And so the way we need to bring down cost is really to partner with providers and others and bring down medical costs. Where do you see the best opportunity to do that? What kinds of programs can you do to partner with, with those providers? Yeah, I think the a big opportunity that we're actually working on now is partnering with large health systems. So the bi biggest five health systems in North Carolina have 50% of the costs. Uh, that's a very concentrated market, uh, more than most states. And so... You know, historically at times, payers and providers have fought in a more confrontational way. Uh, and then, unfortunately, the patient can get caught in the middle. And so what we're focused on is how do we partner with providers, for example, in a contract that's an accountable care organization. And what that means is the hospital and health system is going to be jointly responsible with us for the quality and the total cost of care for your care. And 
when you align those incentives, this was true in Medicare, and I think it'll be true in Blue Cross in North Carolina, quality goes up, patient experience improves, and costs come down. I hear the term value-based reimbursement tossed around a lot. Is that kind of what this is? Yeah, it is value-based reimbursement. You know, I'd say I try to define value-based reimbursement in the next level, if you will. Right now, over 80% of payments from Blue Cross North Carolina are value-based, meaning there's some adjustment for quality and costs. That's terrific. Now it's taking this to that next level where really joint accountability, where that provider says, you know, my goal is the best possible quality and the lowest cost and a great experience. I'll give you a tangible example. If you're a hospital today, we pay fee-for-service. We pay by volume. And if CEOs and CFOs even talk about heads and beds, that the more heads I have in beds, the more revenue I get for the hospital. We need to flip those incentives. It has to be that a hospital or health system is incentivized to keep heads out of beds because I have never met a hospitalized patient ever that is like, I love being in the hospital. (laughs) I want to stay here. You know, they all want to get home as soon as possible and stay home. So we have to align the incentives on preventing admissions to the hospital, you know, preventing readmissions. And, and you know, I think that's the exciting part about this work. Are there different types of approaches to VBR? Are there different flavors of it out there? Yeah, there is different flavors of value-based reimbursement. I'd say we're thinking about it this way. So for large health systems, uh, we're thinking about accountable care organizations where, at least for their primary care attributable population, meaning the the population they care for all the time, not just for specialty care, you know, they're caring for total cost of care and quality. Then for specialty care, sometimes you have to do bundled payment. Mm -hmm. So a good example is like a hip and knee replacement, where right now we have a a program that's saving 10 to 30% and has better quality when you pay for a 90-day episode around a hip and knee replacement. So the providers are all incentivized to work together to care for the patient. And then the last area is primary care, where primary care, Blue Cross North Carolina, is similar to Medicare and other payers. We pay less than 10% to primary care, but they control, you know, 80 plus percent of the spend. So how do you shift primary care where you really incentivize paying to care for a population as opposed to a fee-for-service, you know, pay for the 15-minute visit? And it changes the care delivery method. So, you know, it means your primary care doctor might do an hour office visit if you need it. They may send somebody to see you in your home if you're very sick to prevent that admission. You know, if you want telehealth-enabled care, they'll do that because they're no longer incentivized for that 15-minute visit. They're incentivized to care for you as a person and a family over your life. So they do better by providing better quality. It's effectively a quality over quantity model. Yeah, and I was, I was with a primary care practice yesterday, actually, that is in one of these models with us. Yeah. The, the providers, the doctors love it. I mean, it's how they want to practice medicine. It's, you know, you, you're not on this 15-minute treadmill of, like, I got to see the next patient because I make, you know, $100 or whatever, you know, for every 15-minute visit. Right. You're literally paid. I mean, in these type of models, we might say care for these 5,000 people. We'll pay you a per member per month fee. So we'll pay you, a, you know, this is how much we're going to pay you to care for that population. And by the way, if you do well, if you improve quality and you decrease total cost of care, we'll pay you more. Deliver care the way you want to. And so patients love it, doctors love it, and as a payer, you know, can allow us to control those medical costs and improve quality. So you know the North Carolina Coalition for Fiscal Health is a coalition of businesses in North Carolina that all care about health care costs. Is there anything the business community in North Carolina could do to help push some of this forwards? 
You know, I think uh, a great example uh, that the business community could do, and I'll call out, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, a number of employees are supportive of this work, so I want to thank them for that. But it's really pushing to pay for value. You know, right. don't just focus on a fee-for-service rate or a discount. You know, focus on and support us in paying to care for a population of patients. So, you know, if you're an employer and we provide better care, it can, as you know, decrease absenteeism, you know, increase productivity, have a much more satisfied workforce. Another example of something we're working on that, that we'll need employer support on is mental and behavioral health. So how do you provide mental and behavioral health that's much broader access, telehealth enabled, et cetera? And sometimes employers can look at things like each thing is like, well, I don't want to pay for this one thing because I want to control costs. But we know in mental and behavioral health, if you pay for treatment, uh, a diabetic with a mental and behavioral health illness is two and a half to three times the cost of a diabetic without a mental and behavioral health illness. So if you effectively treat the mental and behavioral health conditions, you bring down medical costs, and most importantly, you improve people's lives because you've treated a condition uh, that has been debilitating to them and is, by the way, probably debilitating at work as well. Absolutely. That's an incredible difference in cost. Are there other conditions that this is particularly good for? Yeah, we are focused on, you know, the, the beauty of Blue Cross North Carolina is is we insure the majority of people in North Carolina, right. often for the majority of their lives. I literally met uh, a customer the other day that we have insured for 75 years. And so we're, it gives us this ability to have this long-term population focus. So to give you another example, we're talking to some diabetes companies right now, some that just dramatically improve care for diabetes. One that looks like can potentially cure diabetes. So such a sophisticated weight loss and lifestyle management change that somebody who has diabetes no longer needs insulin, no longer needs medicines, uh, is able to lose weight and keep it off to a degree that their, it's called your hemoglobin A1C, uh, normalizes, their blood sugar normalizes, so they technically no longer have diabetes. So that just gives you a, a sense of the level of innovation and partners we're talking to. That's incredible. Do you have a sense overall how much programs like this could be saving us, either in terms of percentage or hard dollars? Yeah. So people often quote that there's 30% or more of waste in the health system. I think that could be true. I think most importantly, though, are a few things. If we can save year after year, you know, 2 to 5%, it changes the trajectory of our health system. So in my old job in Medicare and Medicaid, it makes it financially sustainable. In Blue Cross North Carolina, for premiums, that allows you to get to premiums that are low single digits. And you know, we talk internally as a company now, and I can't guarantee we'll meet this 100% of the time, but I can tell you it's our goal, that we have low single digit premiums across, increases across lines of business. And if possible, and this, this would be historic, it's never been done before, could we have premium decreases? Could wow. you actually have control costs to such a degree over time that you have lines of business, you know, could in the individual marketplace or a different line of business, could we get to where we actually have a negative uh, premium, an actual reduction? You know, we always talk about pegging things to the inflation rate, and of course, healthcare costs have been going yep. up significantly faster than inflation yep, for exactly. a long period of time. Uh, a decrease would certainly be under inflation, but even something under inflation no, would got basically it. be. You've a got decrease. it, and that yeah. we actually had a debate on whether to 
our CFO wanted to peg it to inflation because that's technically yeah. the right way to think about yeah, it. That's a and then, yeah. and I actually, it's the way I think about it. I often, when I talk to people, I use hard numbers because it's like a little easier sure. for them. But I, you're exactly right. You want it to be at inflation and low or lower, which allows businesses to invest resources into wages instead of constantly investing resources into increasing healthcare costs. Right, because ultimately the way that it is now, an increasing part of their overall budget yeah. has to go to healthcare, which means that has to come, even if their budget's growing, that's coming yeah. from another part. And that's just... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. two stories there, and I know you, you yep, probably have more of these stories, but I met a small employer the other day who said, you know, they'd essentially given no wage increases for uh, four to five years because all of their increase human resource capital went into healthcare. I mean, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, I've met individual families that, you know, have healthcare premiums that are, you know, $30,000 for the year when you do premiums and out-of-pocket costs. I mean, that are, that are uh, you know, middle-income families. That, that's not sustainable. No. And so, you know, the discussion that we have with providers across the state, with legislators, with others, is we have to get to a place where there's accessible, high-quality, affordable healthcare. Yeah. This kind of value-based reimbursement, I'm going back to that now, yeah. uh, that you're talking about, have there been examples in other insurers, other parts of the country, states that are, you know, the ones that are kind of the gold standard? Yeah, I'll give you two examples. One, uh, in in Medicare, uh, when, when I was leading the CMS Innovation Center, you know, one of our ACO programs called Next Generation Accountable Care Organization Program, we weren't always the best with branding. <laughs> it saved about 2% off trend. 2% off trend is significant. It gets you to that inflation rate or better. We had an ESR, we had an in-stage renal disease ACO program that saved 6% off trend. Wow. The commercial example I'll give, Blue Cross of Massachusetts has been doing uh, alternative payment models or value-based reimbursement for, f you know, five plus years now. You know, they also estimate you know, it saves, it has saved millions of dollars, several points off trend. Um, and so I think you've got examples from the Medicare market and the commercial market that this can work. When you're selling it, when you're talking to providers, you said that doctors are very supportive. It kind of yeah. lets doctors be yeah. doctors, which I assume is yeah. is why you got into this business yep. in the first place. What about the, the management of providers? Are they yeah. equally enthusiastic? Yeah, I mean, not surprisingly, there's some variability across the state. I do think most CEOs and CFOs of hospitals, for example, realize the world is changing and that the current sort of fee-for-service rate aren't sustainable. And so they're willing to go on this value-based journey with us. Then you get in debates about the exact details and payment rates. But I think the vast majority, and this is good news, when I've traveled around North Carolina of CEOs and chief financial officers, is that they understand this is needed. And then you're in a discussion of how to get there, which is really where you want to be. We have an incredibly mission-driven organization oriented to serving the people of North Carolina. And so what I'm most excited about this job is the impact that we can have on literally millions of people across North Carolina in terms of better health outcomes and lower costs. I learned in the, the interview process for this job, there's, there's no physician leading a health plan of this size in the country. Apparently, there's been no practicing physician that's ever led a health plan of this size this country, in this country. And then the recruiter told me, don't mess up. Um, so, uh, but I do think being a practicing physician helps me think about these issues in our health system, you know, work with providers. I really have a patient, uh, person-oriented view uh, as we approach the health system. 
Dr. Conway talked about wanting to keep premium increases in the single digits. As I said in the intro, we recorded this interview before his company's ACA rates had been revealed for 2019. The good news is that they were able to, on average, reduce rates by 4.1%. This was the first decrease of individual marketplace rates in the history of the company. The rate changes varied by geography, with some plans dropping by as much as 22%. Others increased, but they did stay within the single digits, as Dr. Conway had hoped. While this is generally good news for the people of North Carolina, healthcare costs continue to grow, and every year eat up more and more of our family and businesses' budgets. The work Dr. Conway and his team are doing is an important part of lowering costs, but it is just one element, albeit a significant one, of a gigantic healthcare ecosystem in which we all play a part. To help fight rising healthcare costs, make sure to join the North Carolina Coalition for Fiscal Health online at FiscalHealthNC.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at FiscalHealthNC. And if you own a business interested in joining the coalition, please write me directly at Michael at FiscalHealthNC.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and tell your friends. If you have a story you would like to share or just want to get in touch, please contact me at michael at fiscalhealthnc.com or on Twitter at Michael C.K.